Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. is In the Locker Room with Wolf and Starks on ESPN Pittsburgh and Steelers Nation Radio. Presented by your neighborhood Ford store. The F-150 is the official truck of the Pittsburgh Steelers. Van a carrear, van por la izquierda, por ahí va. Nagy solito, da el salto y entra a la zona de rotación espectacularmente. Es un circo, un circo lo que tiene armado Nagy Harris. Touchdown, Pittsburgh. Oh, yeah. You hear that call, you know exactly what he's talking about. You had to know that Najee just got airborne, scored a touchdown, and let's bring in the great Alvaro Martin. Yes, Alvaro, good, welcome. Spanish good, broadcast. Good morning. Yes, how good are morning, you, my friend? Good morning. Very well. I got to quit drinking the La Prima coffee before the game. <laughs> I'm listening to that call. It's Never. way over the top, even for me. Never. That you Never can't enough. you can't let no you can't Max tell him you can't get too excited. You can't get too excited for that, Alvaro. We were excited. We were jumping up and down. The only time that I would expect a little more emphasis from you would have been that TJ Watt interception. That's the only other thing I could think of, because at that moment <clears throat> I was on the sidelines and you see him break out to the left and then you're like, okay, is he going to make it? Is he not going to make it? There's guys converging on. Oh, my God, he's airborne. You know what I'm saying? Like, like that's exactly how the mental emotion was. So you capture it perfectly, and all of Steeler Nation was on top of that as well. They were excited. So, no, La, La Prima Coffee, go ahead, send that man a double. Don't let him have a single. Give him a double. We love you, bro, just the way you are. Hey, yes. I call the, the DJ White interception for what it was. I actually said it's intercepted by TJ originally off the bat, and then I and then I hedged because I said it can't be right. No way, right. no way a human being can do that. So I hedged a little bit as he fell on the ground because I said, nah. You know, I just said it was intercepted, but nah, that really that can't be intercepted. I mean, how do you shock absorb a throw at full speed, make the ball not bounce off your arm or hand? kind of absorb that and then catch it, snatch it out of the air. In the middle of I being mean, driven to the ground by an offensive tackle. I mean, you've, you've oh, stopped battling the offensive tackle because you're grabbing the ball, you know? I mean, that, that was amazing. I mean, Joey Burrow even said it. He said, there's nothing you can do against that. And now, now it's a pattern now. <laughs> now it's a pattern. Yeah. So, you know, Joey Burrow, imagine this. 
next time they beat the Steelers, he goes, well, okay, I'm going to throw a pick at DJ, and then we got to get over that, and then we have to kind of score because we know we're going to get picked by this guy one-handed or two-handed off the line. It's incredible. Alvaro, I've got to ask you a question we've been kicking around through most of the first hour on and off in that is is there do you think there will be a saturday effect right a little play you see what i'm doing here in a little you know a little play by uh, you know a little uh jeff saturday effect on monday night football huh what do you think yes because i think <laughs> the biggest impact he's going to have is on that offensive line I, I actually think they brought him in in many ways one of the biggest factors is to settle down the offensive line. The offensive line for the Colts works. Then the running game works. Then Matt Ryan has a chance to not run all afternoon or evening. And then the defense can get a little bit more rest. And they're a top 10 defense. And so everything happens for them. Everything settles down. They play Colts football when that offensive line plays up to par. And I believe that that was probably a big factor in the mind of Mr. Ursay to say, you know what? That offensive line is the one that's screwing the, the whole season away in a, in a division where if you – heck, if you end up with one more win than a loss, you're in the playoffs. So they think they can do it. They try to settle themselves down, get back to running, get back to keeping Matt Ryan, you know, for what he is, kind of a statue, but a, a, a guy who can get rid of the ball. They don't have great receivers, really any at all. So you know they're going to run. And when they don't run, they'll throw a couple of passes here and there, maybe do a couple of fancy plays with Vine running 39 yards and outrunning the Raiders secondary. Uh, but other than that, that's what they are, and a good defense. And so I think if he settles the offensive line, they give themselves a shred of a chance. No, a- absolutely. Um, you know, look, defensively, you know, one of the things that we were talking about, this defense is very opportunistic. Um, they have some good guys up front uh, along that defensive line. You know, they had three sacks on Jalen Hurts, and uh, they, they caused three three fumbles and uh, recovered two of them. So, you know, when you look at this defense, I mean, what do you think of the – is it just they're playing off because the offensive line is, is, is controlling the line of scrimmage, or do you think it's something the defense is also um, kind of kicking it up a notch and playing a little bit harder than they have been? I, they have, what, four, four defensive linemen that have, you know, damn near four sacks each. No, no, it's, yeah. a, it's, a, it's a concerted effort up front. And I think they make everybody else look great. The, the secondary's not bad at all, but I think they make everybody else look great. And I think the Steelers have their hands full against Indianapolis' uh, defensive front. This is going to be tough. You can't run against them. It's very, very hard. Not just the Steelers, anybody. And then they chew up quarterbacks and offensive lines. So it's going to be a real challenge um, when they're on the when that side of the ball is on the field. You know, I, I think you really made a, a very valid point talking about the offensive line. You know, whether Jeff Saturday was brought on to give more of a emphasis to that, how, however, I don't know. I again, you know, there was so much conjecture about whether Ursay should have done it. Nobody really kind of talked about well. Can, can he do something? Is is it going to be different? And we're, it's funny because you got that left tackle, you got a rookie there, and he was on the, against the Eagles. He got hit with two sacks and four pressures, and the right guard is a second year guy, and he's got tagged for a sack and four pressures. So I'm looking at it. I'm going, okay, um, you've got you've got some people that can get after him. That being the Steelers, this uh, they they've got their hands full too with the Steelers front four. 
I agree with that. And, and Ryman, the, the Austrian kid, is bro is new. And one thing about him, he hasn't figured out, and you guys would know this even better, particularly Max. Max, when you're a tackle, there is a posture you have to take to absorb the guy that's coming at you. And then you have to use your arms and your posture to absorb some of that hit and keep your balance. Raymond hasn't figured that out yet. Sometimes his arms are not out enough. Sometimes his stance is, is off and you can be pushed over or he's a little stiff. He hasn't quite figured that out. He's a rookie and a guy who didn't really play that much high level football until he got the, really the last couple of years. So there are opportunities on that side. Well, that will be Alex Highsmith's side. And Highsmith can do, you know, the old uh, spin move. Yep. And I think Raymond can't yep. can handle that. They won't be able to handle that one. So I think there, clearly there are opportunities. And they'll move the, the pocket to the right away from that. Of course, PJ's there on that side. Right. So, <laughs> yeah. I mean, there are going to be opportunities without a doubt. And Pittsburgh, you know, Pittsburgh had two picks against the Bengals. That's a better offense. Um, so, you know, there, there are going to be opportunities. So I think it's going to be an interesting game. If they run the ball, though, effectively, that'll be tough. It'll be You're tough. About it'll the, be very, very difficult. The Colts, right? Yeah, yes. Colts. If yeah. the Colts run the ball and Taylor yeah. has another one of those games and nobody can keep up with them, and, and then they, they hang on to the ball for 35 minutes, that's the nightmare scenario. That can happen. Now, granted, Pittsburgh's getting better at, at run defense. They really have done that part well. Um, now we got to worry about pass defense, after, as we saw after yeah. the Bengals. <laughs> yeah, it's always something, huh, Max? Whack them all! Whack them all! Yeah, it is. It is. The only saving grace is is that there's no T. Higgins on that roster. Uh, you know what I'm saying? Right. That's the only saving right. grace. But I do agree, Alvaro. I think that is something that you you know. The matchups matter, and Bernard Raymond is definitely one of the guys I have pegged as the fish this week. I think the the, the big the big matchup is going to be Alex Heisman versus him. Um, I agree that you know as an inexperienced rookie, um, he doesn't have the nuance yet, and you know he's a, he's he's a big waist bender. Um, he doesn't really. He's bend in at trouble the knees. then. Yeah, he's he's, he's going to so, be in big trouble. He's he's gonna have a very tough day. He's a tall guy, six six, uh, and if you if you can't learn to, to get low in a squat position, and you use that that low back, you go more deadlift. Um, you're you're gonna be dead as Alex Highsmith is and lift and you're gonna have to lift your quarterback off the ground. Um, <laughs> but Max, because, like you, you were said, much more Max, you were much more athletic than Ryman will ever be. So when you yeah. know you're not athletic, when you know you're Ryman. Um, I think Ryman's reacting too much to what's in front of him instead of saying, look, there's some certain things I can do, certain things I can't do. I got to worry about what I can do, no matter what I had in front of me, to keep to stay in front of that guy and keep that guy from my quarterback. I think part of the problem he's having is reacting to what he sees as opposed to saying, if he moves sideways or does a very fancy move in front of me, I can't react to that. I'll be out of position. I just have to kind of stay here. Forget about all the noise in front of me. Do the fundamentals because I know my limits. I don't think he's figured that out yet. Yeah, and I think a perfect parallel is looking at Dan Moore. Um, you know, whereas Dan has that natural athleticism, but Dan's trying to figure out what to do. And, you know, he ran into, you know, Trey Hendrickson and had a rough night on, on Sunday because 
he had never had a guy kind of have a book on him and understand what to do against him. And I think that was a tough thing. And Ryman doesn't even have that guy in the room that he can lean on that's played tackle that can give him that type of information on how to study and understanding that I have to dictate what he's allowed to do. That's a different shift as opposed to me reacting to what he gives me. Um, and that's something that, you know, it takes time. And I, I will be glad and happy to say that he's not going to pick that up by Sunday <laughs> uh, or by Monday. Yeah. Sorry, by Monday night. Yeah. Um, b- because it's something you have to develop or you have to have someone there to teach you that. And I think that's something that's going to bode well for Alex. And I think when we're going through this, it's going to be very interesting to know how that's going to happen. But I would definitely put the emphasis on him. I wonder if, you know, the Colts will look at what Cincinnati did and say, we're just going to slide, you know, we're going to slide left. We're going to go in that direction and we're going to figure it out from there. But everything, all the intent has to be cover up Ryman, right? Cover him up and allow there to always be somebody to his inside. So at least he can funnel things to the outside and make it easier on him. You know, Matt Ryan, the last time he's played Pittsburgh with Atlanta, you know, it's it's not that difficult, you know, with Matt Ryan. Um, If he doesn't get rid of the ball quickly, then that's too bad. And he cannot get rid of the ball quickly, effectively, meaning not not just a zero-zero route to the side, but I'm saying something across the, the line of scrimmage without taking extra time. He can't do that. You can't do that against Pittsburgh. So there are some things you look at that game and you go, hmm, I like that, and I like that, and I like that. It's the intangibles. It's it's how's that line going to work? Can they run the ball against Pittsburgh effectively? Can they just control that? Uh, and then can they do a couple of play actions and really kill you off? That's the thing that worries when it comes to Indianapolis. Who, By the way, the team is favored. I know they're playing at home. They're favored, barely favored, but they're favored. And I'm a little surprised about that. I mean, I, I don't think people are understanding how much, how slightly better pitch become, um, and how I, you know, you start looking at some of the metrics, and Pittsburgh's getting a little better on offense, getting off the mat. I think people are sort of thinking of Pittsburgh as you know, a rookie quarterback can't figure things out, and uh, and their offense stinks. Well, it's not quite the same. No, one it's of the not. beauties of the post Chase Claypool trade is the fact that you're using Zach Gentry. And all of a sudden, it's become much more of a balanced offense. You can run now, run more effectively. And all of a sudden, it's a different offense. And they're still figuring that out. And they posted 30 points. You know, 30 points in a game. For Pittsburgh early in the season, that was a dream. Well, think about this. This is what Max was talking about earlier. You want, want to go one point per minute of time of possession. And we were getting none of that early on. Now... Uh, you know, in the last couple of weeks, things have started to pick up. And part of that is the running game since what we've been talking about. Um, the fact of the matter is, I, we, Max and I were talking about this earlier in the hour, Alvaro, but we were talking about the fact that it looks like with, with uh, Najee, there's more of a linear attack with him, more of a one-cut, maybe a one-read type situation that they're using him on, allowing him to, rather than, you know, confuse anybody with, you know, multiple reads, you, you start trimming it down, giving them one cut or two, you know, something like that. One of those reads so that you can make a quicker decision. That re, that run to the outside, there was no doubt in his mind where he was going with that ball. 
And, yeah. you know, for him to airmail himself into the end zone like that, it was spectacular. And that's what he's so yeah. capable of. I was waiting to see that burst that we have not seen in, in a number of weeks. When he turned that corner, you knew, you just knew he was heading for the end zone. When Jalen Warren came down, though, my, my comment immediately was, well, if, if the Steelers are going to win this game, this is turning into a shootout against the Bengals, or as I call them during the broadcast, the albino Bengals. Yeah. Um, yes. And, and I just I said to myself, you know, this is an opportunity for Najee. Without, without, well, he's going to play the rest of the game. Yep. He's going to play the rest of the game. He's not going to come off the field. He's already done well yards-wise. But in the second half, this is the opportunity for him to maybe be the difference maker in the game. Now they just couldn't keep up. They just couldn't keep up with the efficiency that the Bengals had. Um, but, uh, you know, he has that chance now. I mean, really, I don't know when Warren's coming back. That time he looked pretty bad. We're going to listen to the Mike Tomlin press conference today like, like us. <laughs> yep, yep. And so it'll be interesting to see where that goes. But there's a chance for him now to say, okay, listen, you know, I'm going to get many more reps. Let's just focus. And the, the line's getting better. We've got Gentry blocking for him. So there are a few things, I think, that are, you know, working in his favor. And, you know, again, progress is measured in Pittsburgh by inches or fractions of an inch. I mean, that's the way it works this year with a rookie quarterback. That's just the way it's going to be. But there is yeah. progress. Oh, so there the is progress. Is, I got put no a whole game together. Can we get some, yeah. a full game put together? Um, you know, I was amazed that, you know, we talk about the Bengals and, and their capacity of making adjustments at, at halftime on defense, but they made a, that adjustment when they lost Mixon, where they had P. Ryan, of course, the torturer, Mr. P. Ryan. <laughs> Um, but one thing they did, I don't know if you guys noticed, they had him line up literally standing in, behind the A-gap. Between yeah, the yeah. Center Max, we were just talking guard. about that. Yeah. What was that about? Can somebody explain that to me? Because I, I think I know why, why they did that, but what, have you seen that before? And what, what's the mm-hmm. purpose of that? All right. So I, I could definitely explain that for you. Um, so what was happening was the Steelers were walking up in double A gap. So if you remember, Robert Spillane was in one gap, Terrell Edmonds was in the others when they had the big nickel formation defensively. And they were having to take the guard and squeeze him into the A gap, therefore either leaving TJ by himself or Alex Highsmith by himself. So whichever direction the strength was. So by walking Samaji Pirine right there up in the A gap between the center and the guard, um, about a yard off the ball, eliminated that squeeze call so that the guard and tackle to that side could stay big on big. So you could still have a body on both of your known rushers, which would have been Cam, Joby, TJ Watt, right? It, it, Chris Wormley and Alex Highsmith. It was able to keep all, all five linemen on, or four of the five linemen on bigs. Because when you don't, which Wolf talked about, when you don't do that and you get a guy walked up in there, the guard has to squeeze meaning I have to take because the, the closest path to the quarterback is the A-gaps. So now the guard has to come down. Now the tackle has to come down to that defensive tackle that was over the guard, and then you leave the outside guy off the edge free, which in the fourth quarter was that Hubbard sack right? because they dropped D.J. Reader, <laughs> and, which is still the funniest thing wow. ever. Dropping a woolly mammoth in the <laughs> Yeah, exactly, just, just dropping a Sherman tank, you know, backwards. Yeah. Um, and so now that's how you get, that's how you get a, a, a matchup advantage. So what, what 
the Bengals did was we're going to eliminate that matchup advantage. We don't want TJ coming free. We don't want Alex Highsmith coming free. Samaji, line up here. You have that A gap so that the guard and tackle can work on B and C gap. So that's that's strictly what it was for, for the double A gaps. We had two stand-up guys in those on either side of the center. And, the and if thing- those guys would walk back, for some reason not attack, then yeah. P. Ryan just went right through that gap to catch a pass. It was well, just incredible. Here's, here's what's interesting. Back in the 80s, we had a situation with Detroit. Detroit would do that. And one of the things that we did with the, the you know, lining a guy up in the A-gap was when they bailed, we brought up Frankie Pollard, and you would Frankie would – he was a running back, and he'd line up just like P. Ryan did. But then they would hand the ball off to him. <laughs> You know, and and he would just he'd just delay for a second, and when the A gap <laughs> penetrator bailed out, when you had a a, a feel for when it was going to happen, you could hand the ball off, and he'd he'd be able to just scoot for some yards as the A gap guy bailed. You know, I mean, it was really kind of funny. So there's nothing new under the sun in the NFL. Oh, huh? it, it it's it recycles. No. Max did it in his era. You know, with a guy coming yeah. up the A gap, we had it back in the eighties. Um, you know, it, it really it, it's significant because, and here's the thing that made it so good. I thought for Cincinnati doing what they did. Who in the world thinks that you're going to drop a woolly mammoth like DJ Reader? You don't. You can't believe it. You're going to go. You're going to step over, and you're going to get right in his grill because you know he's one of the guys that's coming, and he wasn't. And I think really it caught Kenny by surprise. Because all it was was a visual, like, lock for Kenny. Like, I'm looking at DJ. What's he doing back there? What are they running? You know, I think yeah. that it stunned him for a moment and gave all, just Hubbard enough time to come off the edge. There was that incomplete pass on the left to Najee with Hendrickson chasing him in the second half, like the scarecrow in the, in the Wizard of Oz, like, you know, flailing around <laughs> like, the, like the inflatable doll in the car dealership, you know? Flailing right. around to see if I can – we got another yeah. Wizard of Oz fan here. All right, Alvaro. Yes. <laughs> yes. Well, yeah. listen, they um, they talk about adjustments for, you know, Anarumo, Lou Anarumo, the defensive yeah. coordinator. But I actually think that the adjustments come because he sets a tone on purpose in the first half, whatever that may be, and he just switches it in the second half. I mean, it's incredible. It's not necessarily that they do anything magical. They may do something with, you know, linebacker depth a little bit, you know, you know, maybe some placement of some players on the field. But essentially, it's, it's we blitz in the first half, and now we're going to be very judicious on blitzing. We're going to zone blitz in the second half. And the quarterback has to adjust. And it takes him a while to figure that out, and especially a, a young quarterback like uh, Pickett. So, you know, it's amazing what they're doing. I mean, it is amazing. They've, they've allowed two touchdowns now. In the second in second halves of games, mm-hmm. you know, for a season, that's incredible, incredible. Well, the only guy that's lit up that, that Cincinnati secondary for two touchdowns was Baker Mayfield. Yeah, you know, and Imagine. but you know what? It Kenny would have tied him if Pickens had held onto that ball running down the the, the left uh, sideline. Remember when he got behind him with un, like around a minute to go? That was a touchdown yep. he dropped right there. That would, that would have been, been another yeah. touchdown pass in 300 yards. And that's that why have, it would have been a 49-yarder. Exactly. And that's why I say I think I, I watch Kenny, and you look at the throw that he made to Pickens on the 24-yarder. Gadzooks, man, he was taking a, he took a shot right in the grill, but he stood there long enough to make let Pickens make the cut, and then he threw the ball and put it in a place where only Pickens could get it. Touchdown. 
you know, and then that one that he threw, uh, there was another Pickens one. It was 30-some yards or something. It was it was another great throw, uh, you know, on a go route. And and then that last one towards the end, that was almost 35 yards had Pickens hung onto that ball. Um, the kid is making the throws. He's starting to figure it out. It's going to take some time, but he's going to be good. I got no problems saying that. But let me ask you a question, gentlemen. If we, if, if the Steers don't win as they are expected this this end of the season, of course you've got two Baltimore games. You've got Cleveland with Deshaun Watson back. My my sense is that they're going to take a hard look at his performance, particularly against the Browns and twice against the Ravens. Um, at the end of his first season, even though he did not start the season, and and take some some take a real hard look as to where he is, and then he'll make decisions. You don't you don't think at this point. That in the minds of everybody concerned, he will be the starting starting quarterback no matter what next year. Is that a done decision? Is that is that decision already made? I don't think it's a decision already made. I think you you play out the season. But I got no problems yep. in what I've seen from Kenny Pickett. Kenny Pickett, it looks to yeah. me like a young man who's learning on the job, and it's a high velocity, high intensity, ballistic job, and it's going to come with a lot of. Uh, dings and, and scratches. You know, it, it it's gonna it's gonna be rough for a little while, and he's got to weather the storm. But nobody gets good without unless they face or go through adversity. That is what hones uh, you. And I'll tell you something else. I saw that personally at uh, Latrobe, and this is what I hear when I hear uh, listen to people that are actually around him at the facility. No one outworks the kid. That doesn't mean you're gonna be good. Again, you could work as hard as you can. You may not be right. very good at something. But you hear it often and over and over again. I saw it in Latrobe. First kid, early in the morning, early breakfast, early to work, late to work at the end of the day, extra reps. He at least is putting forth that effort. And that is an area that no one has to worry about. Um, and hopefully that will translate into greater sort of recognition of opportunities and risks and better play. But clearly, the word I hear from everywhere around it, that kid works hard. Yeah. He shows up early. He stays late. He's working really, really hard. There's no sense of, I got this. when you, or, or, I don't know what I don't know. No, he's aware that he doesn't know a lot, and there's a lot of work to be done, and he's putting in the work. So from that standpoint, particularly people in Pittsburgh who appreciate that, appreciate people not having any attitudes or wrong assumptions and are willing to just get there and get dirty and get work hard and, and get tired working hard. Kenny Pickett will be one of those guys uh, they can identify with very quickly. Alvaro, thank you yeah. so much for joining us, my friend. We appreciate you. Hey, listen, I'm, I'm on a calorie depri- I'm on a calorie deprivation diet right now because I'm going to stuff myself like crazy on Thursday. So I- <laughs> I'm not you enjoy yourself. I'm wide open, baby. I'm right, gonna roar right through Thanksgiving. Yeah. And all I, all I wish, Craig, here. is for him to actually have a day off on Thursday. He, the man works every single day, and I hope you have a wonderful day with uh, your loved ones and just have fun. Happy Thanksgiving to you and your family. Yes, happy Alvaro. Thanksgiving, Thank Alvaro. You. Thank you so much. All the best. All right, brother. All right, all right that was Alvaro Martin, our Spanish broadcast play-by-play, play, uh, and just, 
I would say conversationalist extraordinaire. Yes. I think that's I think that's another title we can add to Alvaro. It's always great to have him each and every Tuesday here on the broadcast. All right, we're gonna step aside for a minute. We're also we're gonna react to some of the things that Alvaro said. He brought some great points, Wolf, and uh, I want to take a little more time to kind of be thoughtful in our responses. Let's and our digest breakdowns. them. Thinking of Thanksgiving. Yeah, you, you know, you know, yeah. Let's. Let, yeah, no trip to fan though. Uh, in the process. All right, we'll be back here in the locker room. Wolf Starks, ESPN SNR Radio. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bop Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Pluma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club.